Mountain Town by Ivory Harlow. I, what's your boy toy wearing to Emily's wedding? Linda asked. Heather cringed. She hated when Linda talked about Roman like he was a fling or some cheap male stripper she'd picked up, just because he was two decades younger. She supposed she opened the door to the question, having shown office ladies a picture of her mother of the bride dress, and told them Roman had agreed to be her date. Heather's dress was emerald green. The sheath had a cowl-collar neckline and fell just below her knees. Heather loved how the jewel tone complemented her green eyes, auburn hair, and rosy complexion. She especially loved how the dress fitted her entire body. She could have worn it off the rack, but altered it ever so slightly to achieve the perfect fit. The day would belong to Emily, but Heather wanted to make sure she looked spectacular for it. Roman is wearing a navy sport coat and an emerald and navy paisley western dress shirt, Heather said. I'm surprised the cowboy has a suit, Melissa said. 28-year-old ranch hands weren't likely to have a ready-made closet of formal attire. He didn't. I ordered it online. He only agreed because I said he could wear it with a pair of pressed blue jeans and polished cowboy boots, Heather sighed. That sounds delicious, Linda said, smacking her lips together as if Roman was a raspberry sorbet. Linda was in her sixties and didn't give a damn that her comments were sexual harassment. She had been living vicariously through Heather's spicy romance since Heather met Roman six months ago at a honky-tonk bar. Heather had been innocently enjoying a girl's night out at the dive. Roman was blowing off steam with a group of cowboys he worked with after a busy week on the ranch. Roman had approached Heather and asked, May I have this dance? He was tall and handsome. Dark hair peeked out from under his tan Stetson. He had hazel eyes with flecks of olive green that were strikingly different from her shade of sea green eyes. Roman's muscular arms felt good wrapped around her, twirling her across the dance floor. He made her feel young and sexy. After a night of flirting, he asked for her number. Heather gave it to him but didn't expect him to call. There was clearly a mutual attraction, but at age 48, Heather was old enough to be his mother. She was surprised when Roman called the next day. He asked Heather out on a proper date the following weekend. They were still going strong after a half-year dating. Roman even agreed to attend her daughter Emily's wedding, where he'd meet Heather's entire extended family and her ex-husband and his finance, Shayla. Are you sure? Heather asked Roman. You don't have to. If you're not comfortable, I'm not stressed about it, he assured her. Roman was easygoing, not the type to worry about what others may think about their relationship. You're looking forward to it, and it's an important day for your family. Plus, I knew both Emily and Blake in high school. I want to wish them well on their wedding day. She tried not to think about the fact Roman graduated the same year as Emily's fiancé. Emily was a few years behind them. That's sweet. Thanks for being willing, Heather said. Roman pulled her into his embrace. Let me show you just how willing I am. Two, Heather and John married young. They were kids, fresh out of college, broke but happy. John was beginning a career in real estate. It was slow go at first, but they scraped by on ramen and PB&J sandwiches. Every time he closed a deal, they splurged by ordering pizza. Heather was pregnant with Emily within a year. By the time she was born, John was doing enough deals for Heather to quit her job and stay home with the baby. He grew his real estate business from an independent agent to a full-service brokerage and agency. With an office of agents and administrative support staff, he focused his efforts on real estate investment. 
He was in a dominant position to buy low when the real estate market fell in 2007. It rebounded by 2012, making John and Heather rich beyond their wildest dreams. They built their dream home, including a pool and theater room where the teenage Emily could hang out with friends. If she brings her friends here, we won't have to worry about where she is and who she's with, John justified the expense. They may be wealthy, but that didn't justify extravagance. Heather and John had grown up in working-class families and were hesitant to spend frivolously. They committed to passing their thrift sense and do-it-yourself spirit to Emily. They bought her a used Honda Civic to drive to high school, but she had a part-time job to pay for her own insurance and gas. Heather didn't go back to work, despite Emily being a thriving, independent teenager. Instead, Heather volunteered to help with Emily's extracurricular activities. She organized bake sales for the basketball team and designed custom tumblers to raise money for the volleyball booster. Heather also served on the PTA, acting as a liaison between the school district and community to collect and donate school supplies, backpacks, and non-perishable food items for needy families with school-aged children. From outside appearances, they were the perfect family. But inwardly, Heather and John had grown apart. They were proud, dutiful parents of Emily, but there was nothing holding them together when she went off to college. They announced their divorce when Emily returned from her first year of college. What happened? She asked, more shocked than sad. We both love you, and we love our family, Heather explained. But we don't love each other, John added. His statement made Heather's heart sink. She could only imagine how Emily felt. He offered Heather their dream house up to Heather, but she declined. She'd felt lonely in that big house for a long time when he was present. She certainly didn't want to live there alone. Heather also knew John loved the house and would be happy there. He made concessions, buying her a right-sized house in town. The craftsman-style home had a low-pitched roof with wide-eave overhangs, exposed roof rafters, and decorative beams. It was freshly remodeled and had new appliances, so Heather wouldn't have to contend with repairs as a single woman. It had a tidy yard that was manageable for her, despite her aversion to yard work. Heather didn't ask for anything in the amicable divorce, yet John insisted. She had been a stay-at-home mom to their only child for 20 years. He worried she'd have a hard time finding a suitable job because of the void on her resume. Fortunately, her connections at the high school turned her on to an open secretary position. She already got along great with Emily's prior teachers, administrators, and coaches, and deepened the friendships both in and outside of school. Linda, the other secretary, was crude, but Heather loved her, Melissa, and a half-dozen other female teachers and staff she socialized with regularly. Heather maintained a good co-parenting relationship with John and an excellent relationship with Emily and her soon-to-be son-in-law, Blake, who returned to Mountain Town to start their new life together. Three, I started my new job this week. Emily's enthusiasm came through the phone. How are you liking it so far? Heather asked, trying to sound neutral. Emily quit her pharmaceutical sales job to take a position as a teller at Mountain Town Bank, where Blake was a loan officer. Heather would not say so to Emily, but it was a big step backwards in pay and prestige. She also thought it was poor timing for a major career overhaul. Emily's wedding was right around the... I don't want a 50% travel job when I'm married, Emily explained. The bank job is 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Much better work-life balance when we have babies.
There is no reason to rush family life, Emily. You are only 25, Heather warned. You and Dad had me when you were 23. You stayed home with me, Emily sassed. Heather wanted to say, I sacrificed what might have been a rewarding career. My marriage to your father didn't last. But she didn't. Heather didn't want Emily to think she regretted having Emily young or staying home. She simply wanted Emily to consider that life might not turn out as the fairy tale she imagined. Have you talked to Dad? I'm sure he could use your help in the real estate office. That would be a good job with regular hours, Heather said. And a future, she thought. I thought about it, Emily admitted. Don't get me wrong, Shayla is fine, but I can't deal with her every day. I didn't think of that, Heather said. Shayla was a Barbie blonde with long legs. John hired her to do marketing for the real estate agency right out of college. They were engaged a year later? Back then, she silently judged John for dating someone half his age. Maybe he's having a midlife crisis, Heather surmised. Then she met Roman and found truth in the saying, Age ain't nothing but a number. Unlike John and Shayla, Heather didn't see her and Roman's relationship as long-term, but she enjoyed spending time with him. Heather was lonely before she met Roman. She didn't shame John for wanting someone to spend the rest of his life with. Even if Shayla was the same age as his daughter, I like my new job, Blake and I get to have lunch together. Heather snapped back to her phone conversation with Emily. I'm glad, honey, Heather said, then changed the topic. Ready for the rehearsal dinner tomorrow night? I sure am, Emily beamed. I can't wait. See you there. Heather ended the call. Emily was going to be a gorgeous bride, and Heather was prepared to do everything in her power to make sure the weekend went off without a hitch. Ivor, the rehearsal dinner was in a private dining room at the Bighorn Bar and Grill. The restaurant was inside the historic Mountain Town Hotel. Its original mahogany wood paneling and floors and stained glass accents dated back to 1912. Emily's emerald green and rose wedding colors looked spot on. Chef Michael prepared a special rehearsal dinner menu featuring Emily and Blake's favorite foods, drinks, and desserts. Blake coined the cuisine Fancy BBQ on the invitations. Guests would enjoy beef brisket, two kinds of sausage, fresh tortillas, honey cornbread, jalapeno avocado mac and cheese, and roasted corn with spicy aioli. There was peach cobbler for dessert and whiskey lemonade to wash it down. Traditionally, the groom's family hosts the rehearsal dinner, but Heather offered to come early to decorate the room with Blake's mother. It took the women all of 20 minutes to set up, then they sat sipping sangria and swapping stories about their kids. Emily and Blake were the first to arrive, followed by the wedding party, their dates, and other. There is my beautiful girl, about to be a bride. John enveloped his daughter in a giant hug, lifting her off the ground. Hi, Daddy, Emily said, then turned and greeted Shayla. Shayla looked ready for a night on the town. She wore a teal tunic, black tights, and over-the-knee black and teal leather stiletto boots. Her blonde hair was sleek and straight. Heather noticed the enormous diamond engagement ring on her French manicured finger. The diamond was at least three carats. Heather couldn't help but contrast it to the modest band she wore when she and John were married. When they divorced, she tucked in her jewelry box with Emily's baby bracelet. Roman must be running late. Heather scanned the crowd for her cowboy. He said he'd finish work early to be there at 6 p.m. It was nearly 6.30 p.m. She checked her phone. No texts or missed calls. She considered calling or texting him. 
but she had a tendency to mother him, and he did not find it endearing. He arrived shortly. After a brief hello and chaste kiss, he navigated to Shayla, who had been scrolling her phone at a table in the corner. Shayla did not enjoy situations in which all eyes weren't on her. Shayla leaned towards Roman in a flirty way. She had some nerve flirting with Heather's boyfriend while she was engaged to her husband. What bothered her more was the way he looked at her with his inviting, hazel eyes. She started in their direction, intending to whisk Roman away, but John stood in her path. Our baby is getting married tomorrow. He playfully shook Heather's shoulders. When did she grow up? Either he didn't see Shayla flirting with Roman, or didn't care. I know, it makes me feel old, Heather said, distracted by the youthful cohort in the corner. Nonsense. You look young and lovely tonight, John said. Thank you, she said, because she knew he meant it. John was a straight shooter. He didn't dish out untrue or necessary compliments. Heather wore a sleeveless purple dress the color of eggplant. She'd taken a half day from work to get her hair cut and colored and nails done for the wedding tomorrow. Her stylist had done her makeup while she was waiting for her nails to dry. She looked salon fresh. You look great, too. Have you lost some weight? Heather poked his middle like the Pillsbury dough. Matter of fact, I have. John sounded pleased with himself. Shayla has me on this meal delivery service weight loss plan. Says I need to lose 20 pounds for our wedding. I'm down 15 pounds. Five to go. His comment surprised Heather. John had always had a dad bod, but he was tall and wore it well, and it never seemed to bother him before. Remind me when y'all are getting married? In a couple weeks, we are eloping in Europe. A destination wedding. That sounds fun. Yes, well, a traditional church wedding seemed silly for me, but Shayla deserves something special. She suggested London, Paris, Rome, and Madrid, he chuckled. Go big or go home, I guess. I've never been to Europe. I'm sure it will be beautiful. Heather smiled. John turned the topic to Heather. They chatted about Heather's work, then about the real estate market. John had always been a delightful conversationalist. His recounting memories of Emily made her feel so homey and peaceful that for a moment she forgot why their family had fallen apart. Howdy. Roman cut in and cut off her train of thought. John extended his hand and gave Roman's hand a firm, friendly shake. They'd met briefly once before. John, do you remember Roman? Heather asked. I do. It's nice to see you, John said boisterously. Guests sat for dinner and dessert. Heather settled into her chair. She leaned back to feel Roman's muscular arm on the back of her chair. Shayla and John sat at the other end of the long table. They were also enjoying themselves. Heather felt ridiculous for getting jealous earlier. Clearly, it was her own insecurity. They are playing tonight? I'm down to go. Roman said to the groomsman seated beside him, how about you, darling? He asked, turning to Heather. Sorry, where? The bandits are playing the roost tonight. Do you want to head that way after this? The bandits? Heather had never heard of them. Country rock band. Steel guitars, a bit of blues, some southern rock infusion, the best man explained. They are really popular, a bridesmaid chimed in. A bunch of wedding party people are going, Roman urged her. Heather preferred pajamas and a ponytail holder to nightlife, especially when it involved loud music and a rowdy crowd at the roost. Y'all go. Have fun, she told Roman and the others. I've got to rest up for a full day of wedding stuff tomorrow. They accepted her excuse, and the partiers began planning who was going to drive and who would ride with. Can I ride with you boys? Shayla asked Roman as the groomsmen and bridesmaids counted how many people were going, 
and how many cars they'd need to take. Heather tightened her jaw. If she'd known Shayla was going, she might have gone along so she wouldn't look like a fuddy-duddy. Then she reminded herself that she didn't have to prove anything to Shayla, and she really didn't want to go. It made her feel slightly better that John had gracefully ducked out as well. At least she wasn't the only poor sport. V. Nothing prepared Heather to see Emily in her wedding gown. Emily looked gorgeous in the long-sleeve lace dress. It had a modest boat-neck front, with a plunging low back. She opted for a trailing rhinestone and pearl headband instead of a veil to hold her mermaid braid in place. Blake stood at the altar in an emerald shawl tuxedo with a black tie. His groomsmen wore black tuxedos with green accents. The bridesmaids wore the same color green dresses in various styles and carried bouquets of soft pink roses. Heather lost control of her emotions when John walked Emily down the aisle to Blake. She recalled Emily clinging to John's leg on the first day of kindergarten, Emily beaming behind the wheel of her first car after her dad gave her the keys, and John carrying boxes up three flights of stairs, moving Emily into her dorm room. She peeked over at John, seated next to Shayla. Their eyes met briefly and acknowledged the private wedding venue was a 1,000-acre ranch, five miles west of Mountain Town. Emily suggested an outdoor wedding to save money, but high desert February weather was unpredictable. John insisted on booking the exclusive indoor formal area for the ceremony. If the weather agreed, staff would open the wall of glass doors for the reception on an alfresco patio that had breathtaking 360-degree views of the mountains. To their delight, Emily's wedding day was the perfect 67-degree day. Guests could stroll from the patio to the pavilion with drinks in hand. It featured rock walls and a water fountain. Twinkle lights adorned the arbor. The courtyard had green topiaries and rustic decorative ironwork. Emily posed for a picture with Heather and Grammy, Heather's mom. Rats! Heather fanned her eyes, attempting to dry the tears before they fell and ruined her professional makeup job. John playfully shook his head and stepped in to hand her a clean handkerchief from his suit jacket pocket. Heather returned the hanky to John while they sipped cocktails and watched Emily dance with her friends. Those were the best years of my life, John said, taking the last swig of his drink. Nonsense. Heather swatted his arm. You're only fifty. The best is yet to come, she quoted Sinatra, and referencing John's upcoming wedding and all the adventures his new life would bring. Heather spotted Shayla shimmying on the dance floor. She was gorgeous. If you live to be one hundred, your glass is still half full. Half empty, John corrected her. The happiest time of my life was when Emily was a baby. We lived in that fixer-upper on 4th Street. There was one bathroom, and we had to fill the tub with warm water from the kitchen sink for two weeks while the pipes got replaced. Heather laughed out loud. Then she noticed the faraway look in John's eyes. She understood how he felt. She felt that way sometimes, too. Wistful affection for a past that was so different from her. At the same time, she had no reason to complain about her present. Heather looked over at her handsome boyfriend. She had enjoyed her work and friends. My cup is full, she thought, but am I happy? This, Heather hadn't realized how much time she'd put into planning Emily's wedding until she woke up the day after with nothing to do. Not having something to look forward to put her in a funk the following week. The loneliness of missing Emily added to it. Emily and Blake were on their honeymoon in the Bahamas, 
a wedding present from John, Heather didn't want to interrupt the couple's newlywed bliss by calling or texting. Instead, Heather hearted every one of their Instagram beach photos and watched their snorkeling and scuba reels. Then she was struck with an idea to get out of her funk. She could go on vacation. She didn't need to go somewhere grandiose, as the Bahamas or Europe. A long weekend would give her something to plan and look forward to. Interested in a weekend getaway? She texted Roman. He didn't respond. It was a work day. Heather considered he was out working on the ranch, which had lots of dead spots, or he might be working cattle or running equipment and his phone was out of reach. However, he had been more distant than usual since the wedding. Heather hadn't asked him for a reason. Maybe he only seemed absent because she was no longer consumed with the wedding? Heather spent the afternoon at her desk googling last-minute vacation deals. This weekend was Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Roman loved to party. Or they could go west instead, visit a hot spring in New Mexico. That would be romantic and relaxing. She didn't hear from Roman until that evening. Busy time of year, he texted back. Odd. It was the first week of February. He had told her that things didn't get busy on the ranch until calving started in March. She dialed his number, knowing his phone was in hand. It went straight to voice still on range. He shot back a text to tell her he was still in the field at 7 p.m. I guess that explains the busy time of year comment, Heather thought. She allowed herself a moment of self-pity. She was bored and lonely and needed a lifeline. No weekend trip with Roman didn't mean she had to sit home alone. She had friends. It had been a while since they had a girls' night out on Saturday. Emily would still be away on her honeymoon. But Heather could invite Shayla. Despite her envying the woman, Shayla was about to become Emily's stepmother, which meant Shayla would also be Heather's grandchildren's step-grandmother. Heather hoped for big, mixed family holidays and realized she'd have to extend the olive branch to Shayla sooner rather than later. Heather brainstormed a girl's night out at the local winery's tasting room. Mountain Town Winery and Vineyard hosted acoustic musicians on the patio on Saturday nights. She'd reserve a table and invite her girlfriends for a meet-and-greet with Shayla. Pleased with her plan, Heather opened her friend's ongoing group text and began, Seventh, have you been here before? Heather asked Shayla as they walked into the Mountain Town Winery tasting room. The elegant room had tall rock walls with rustic beam accents. A huge elk antler chandelier cast a warm light on the stained concrete. We are in the 1883 Club, Shayla said in a snooty tone. The 1883 Club was a membership of the local elites, like a country club with a vineyard instead of a golf course. Heather spotted her friends, waved, and led Shayla toward the table of eight. The girls were already smiling, laughing, and having fun. Heather introduced Shayla. She had prepped them ahead of time. Shayla would soon be John's wife and Emily's stepmother. She could be a bit standoffish, but please give her a chase. She warned Linda to be on her best behavior. They obliged. Even Linda, who normally said whatever was on her mind, toned it down in front of Shayla. Heather said you're being whisked away to Europe to get married next week. How exciting, Renee piped. Besides teaching high school physical education, Renee was the cheer instructor. Shayla visibly recoiled. Renee's natural pep was a bit much for her. Fortunately, Renee didn't seem to notice Shayla's reaction. Where will you be traveling in Europe? London, Paris, Rome, and Madrid over 14 days, Shayla recited like it bored her. Will you visit wineries while you're there? 
Renee tried to keep the conversation going. Yes, why else would I go to Italy and Spain? Shayla scoffed. Nearly three millennia of history, Heather thought, but said nothing. She fought the urge to kick Shayla's shin under the table. The server brought out an assortment of wines describing each one's undertones. Shayla complained that none of them were estate wines from the cellar, which she proclaimed superior to those on the tasting menu. But I'm a club member. She was tantrumed, shoving her club card in the server's face. I'm sorry, ma'am, but estate wines are not on the tasting menu. He ex I'll pay for Cabernet Sauvignon then. I can't stomach these. She waved her hand at what the rest of the ladies were sampling. This is definitely my fave, Elizabeth said, tasting a light and fizzy dessert wine. You should try this one, she urged Shayla. Shayla shot her a bless-your-heart smile. Dessert wine is fine for untrained palates. Too sweet for connoisseurs, she said. Good wine balances sweetness with acidity. In that case, I'll pair mine with a big piece of dark chocolate and tart cherry cake. For the acid, of course, Linda came to Elizabeth's defense. Shayla nibbled on cheese and crackers and kept to herself the rest of the evening. Heather joined her girlfriends enjoying the music and ambiance. They'd given Shayla a fair chance. They couldn't make her like them. They parted ways at about 9.30 p.m. Renee and Heather were parked next to one another in the parking lot. I'm sorry she was rude, Heather said. It was nice of you to invite her and there is no need to apologize. She didn't ruin girls' night. Renee embraced Heather in a sweet hug before getting in her car. See you Monday, she said as Shayla's brilliant white Escalade zoomed past them in the parking lot. Heather checked her phone for a call or text from Roman when she got home. She hadn't heard from him since he declined her invite for a getaway weekend midweek. She pined to text him now to ask him over for a nightcap. Heather craved his physical presence more than the emotional comfort of their relationship. Perhaps that was because they lacked an emotional connection? They talked about a variety of subjects, from work to the weather, but their conversation stayed on the surface level. An emotional connection is about sharing feelings, being vulnerable, seeking to understand each other. When she tried to go there, Roman assured her he was a simple man and didn't brood over matters of life and death. Heather willed herself not to text. Tomorrow was Super Bowl Sunday. Roman and the other cowboys would hunker down in the bunkhouse to watch the game. They would have stocked up on beer and burgers for the event, but little else. She'd text Roman tomorrow and offer to drop off homemade snacks as a gesture of goodwill. Heather plugged her phone into charge on her nightstand. She wished one last time for a sweet goodnight from Roman. Seeing none, she flipped the phone on its face, tucked herself in, and fell fast asleep. Heather was in the kitchen Sunday morning, rolling out dough for football-shaped sugar cookies, when she heard a knock at the door. She wiped her flour-dusted hands on her black yoga pants. She thought about smoothing her ponytail before answering it, but thought messy hair was better than having flour in her coming, she called as she trotted to the door. Hey, John, what a surprise! Heather opened the door wide and ushered him inside. He looked anxious and disheveled. Is everything okay? she asked, then clutched her chest. Is Emily okay? Emily is fine, he assured her. I'm here to talk to you about something else. Heather breathed a sigh of relief. Can we talk in the kitchen? I have cookies in the oven, and I have to keep my eye on the timer. That's fine, John said in a solemn tone. She motioned for John to pull a bar stool up to the counter while she finished cutting out the dough. How about a cup of coffee? 
You look like you need it. John nodded. Heather poured and then handed him a big mug. No offense. John conjured a weak smile on his face. He was definitely not his outgoing self. What is on your mind, she asked. Shayla didn't come home last night. Heather's mind gravitated to the worst-case scenario. The last time she saw Shayla was peeling out of the winery parking lot. Did she have too much to drink? Did she get in an accident on the way home from the winery? Nothing like that. She's fine. We all left the winery by 9.30 p.m. I was in bed by 10. Heather tried to make sense of the situation. She didn't know where Shayla went afterwards and wondered if John held her responsible for Shayla's absence. I'm not blaming you, Heather, John said. He didn't sound angry, just defeated. Actually, I thought it was big of you to invite her. She, he searched for the right words, can be off-putting. Heather did not confirm or deny John's observation. She knew he didn't need that right now. John shifted his weight on the stool. I'm sure I'm overstepping my boundaries coming here, telling you this, but when she came home about an hour ago, she told me she was with Roman. Heather's jaw and rolling pin dropped on the counter. Apparently, they have been seeing one another. It wasn't a one-night thing. Disgusted. Your relationship with Roman is none of my business, John said. But I thought you would want to know. Heather had a lump in her throat. Suddenly, Roman ghosting her and Shayla, not giving a damn about what kind of impression she made to Heather's friends, made sense. I didn't know. I'm glad you told me, Heather told him, though hearing the truth hurt. Panic struck as Heather realized she was the one who introduced them. I shouldn't have brought him to the rehearsal dinner. Don't blame yourself for their behavior, John said. Shayla seized an opportunity. If it wasn't Roman, it would have been someone else. Heather nodded, thinking about Shayla's unabashed flaunting. I suppose it's better it happened before you married her versus after. You're right. John looked Heather in the eyes, as if it had just occurred to him that Shayla might have seized the opportunity to be with a rich man because she wanted the lifestyle, not him. She refilled John's coffee. What are you going to do? I told her a mover would have her things out of my house by the end of the week. She needs to provide the mover with her new address, or I'll have him drop her stuff off at the Salvation Army. Heather burst out laughing. Can you imagine walking into the thrift store and seeing shelves lined with Gucci and Prada? I should have just lit my money on fire, John said with self-deprecation. If it's any consolation, I have made a crock pot of spicy queso, two bags of Tostitos, two dozen Bavarian pretzels, and three dozen iced football cookies for Roman's Ranch's Super Bowl party, and now only myself to eat them. Heather said, I love your pretzels, John said, temporarily distracted from his anguish. Do you have plans to watch the game? No, we can watch it here and drown our sorrows in cheese dip, Heather perked up. That's my kind of party, John smiled. Mine too. I have a headache from last night's wine tasting and I didn't even drink a full glass and I slept for ten hours, she sighed. I don't know when I got so old and boring. Old and boring isn't bad when you consider the alternatives. Dead, Heather chuckled. Actually, Emily mentioned wanting to start a family right away. At first I worried they were jumping into it too fast. But now I'm warming up to the idea of us. A smile spread across John's face. We are going to be great-grandparents. Do you need to borrow an apron to help me ice these before the game? Heather motioned to the racks of cooling football cookies. Nah. Nah, I fully intend to be covered in icing after eating them anyway, he said with a warm smile. 
13, Emily, John answered his cell, happy to hear his daughter's voice. Hi, Daddy. I know it's late in London. I just wanted to let you know, Blake, and I got back from the honeymoon. We are in Mountain Town, safe and sound. How is Europe so far? The sightseeing is spectacular. The food, not so much. Don't like fish and chips, Emily teased. Maybe you won't regain the weight you lost on Shayla's diet. Oh, I will. I'm banking calories in London to spend in Italy. How about Mom? Is she getting along with the Brits? We toured Buckingham Palace today. She decided we need corgis like the queen. Corgis, as in multiple dogs in her little house. Multiple dogs in my big house. She's moving back in, and we're putting her little house on the market. We'll need the extra room when grandbabies come. Plus, they'll love the pool and watching cartoons in the theater. That's sweet, Dad. John heard Emily's smile in her voice. Blake and I were going to wait to tell you until y'all got home, but you provided a perfect segue. Wait! I'm putting you on speaker so Mom can hear. John walked over to Heather, tucked into the Lux Hotel bed reading a novel. He tapped his phone on speaker and set it on the bed, then sat beside her and wrapped his arm around her shoulder. Heather removed her readers and set them on her lap. Okay, we are ready. We're having a baby. Emily and Blake shouted in unison. Fantastic, John cheered. Congratulations. Heather clapped her hands over her heart. Don't tell anyone yet. I'm just eight weeks along. Family secret, John said. To celebrate the baby or your remarriage? The end.